Jeremiah lived in a very interesting time, a time when he saw anyone who was paying attention to the news of the time uh, saw the, the imminent destruction of the people of Israel and the house of Judah, and God had given him that message as well. And today we hear that passage, we hear well, one of the many passages, but we hear this in this passage, how Jeremiah, they come and they condemn him. Why are you saying this? Why are you telling us in the name of the Lord that this house shall be destroyed? It shall be like Shiloh. It will be, it will be a cursing. That may every town end up like this. It, that will be a curse. Why do you speak such things? As if the truth, as Flannery Connor said, uh, is dependent on our ability to stomach it. The truth sometimes hurts, never harms, but sometimes it hurts a lot. And Jeremiah is preaching that truth. And today then, so they stand against him. And today in our gospel passage, we have them standing against Jesus for something else. He's not even, we don't even really know the content of his message. Maybe it's just repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is here because that was very early uh, the core of Jesus' message. What did that mean? You know, that takes different steps. But they stand against Jesus because we know him. It seems like you just can't please the people, can you? Where did he get all of this? And Jesus says it for them. The prophet is not without honor except in its native place and in his own house. It reminds me that it's a terrible, terrible thing. You know, somebody went, said they went to the fortune teller and... and uh, um, they knocked on the door and the fortune teller asked, who is it? And they left because if the fortune teller didn't know it. Sorry, really bad joke, terrible joke. But that's not a prophet, by the way. A prophet is somebody who speaks for God. And so we have prophets in our own day. Uh, today, even though he's uh, been uh, served 500 years ago, St. Ignatius of Loyola is one of those interesting characters, which is why he's a hero of mine. As a young man, he was born into a fairly wealthy family. Uh, he had dreams of being a crusader, of, of just uh, being a soldier, of, of living this valiant life, of rescuing the damsel in distress, and, and all these romantic, not romantic as Harlequin romance, but these romantic ideas of, of the knight in shining armor. He was a soldier, but he got hit in one such battle. He got hit in the leg with a cannonball, and in the recuperation, he couldn't go anywhere. He's basically in traction, and those who took care of him in the hospital, religious sisters, would bring him books. He was a voracious reader. And he realized something as he was reading the certain books, when he read the, again, the romances, not in the Harlequin romance kind of thing, the modern sense of romance, but those with the knights and the, the damsel in distress and the dragon to be slain, all those things, it wasn't just that, but it, you know that helps you set the scene of what a romantic author of the time would be like. He would get this warm feeling. He would just fill him with such joy. And he closed the book, and that joy would go away. When the sisters brought him the lives of the saints or readings on the gospel, he would be filled with that same joy, but he realized in reflection 
that the joy did not cease. The joy stayed with him. And he began to realize that there's this thing called consolation and desolation. Consolation is where we have an awareness of God's presence. There's false consolation, by the way, too, when Satan gives us that feeling, or sometimes our own, uh, our own brokenness gives us that feeling of everything is right in the world, but it's really not. But the consolation is the, the experience of God's presence that endures. And then there's desolation, where God withdraws sometimes that presence in order to make us long for him. St. Ignatius then, based on that, gave us some rules of discernment, uh, rules to how, how do we understand God's will for our lives. And that, that work alone is hugely prophetic, speaking God's word to us, which is what prophet means. And he lived in an interesting time, again, 1491, if you're doing your math, you know who sailed the ocean blue in 1492. About this, about uh, 20 uh, years later, um, 20, 27, I guess it is technically. A certain uh, Augustinian monk nailed 98 theses to a door in the cathedral and began the Protestant Reformation. Saint Ignatius, it seems, was raised up by God to fall into Jesuits, the religious order, the, the societies of Jesus, in order to com- combat that, to remind people that Jesus Christ was first among all, and that Jesus Christ had a tremendous plan for our life. In fact, his uh, foundation of his rules is to remember that everything is created for man in so much that it would lead us to God, or then, if not, to be avoided. We might ask ourselves this day, as we hear about these prophets and honor this, again, prophet in a, in a classical sense, what's our idea of a prophet? Do we receive a prophet or do we ignore them because we know too much about them? Do we receive a prophet who is speaking a hard truth? Or are we able to recognize, as St. Ignatius would invite us, the word of God being spoken to us because we feel that presence of God, that consolation of him. There's so much more that could be said, but it's too late in the Friday afternoon for it. But I encourage you to, if you don't know much about St. Ignatius of Loyola, just read. Read the uh, rules of discernment. You can, you can Google it and you can find it. They're brilliant, brilliant ways of helping us understand our life in the spiritual world.